seven strangers, does that not make you a serial killer? I didn't kill them every day, did I? Did I go out there every day and say, hmm, I'm going to kill them? If I did, there well, would be hundreds. Well, no, it took you 12 months. Then he rings up Rex again, and that's when I looked at him and I started laughing. If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Because, you know, first of all, women generally don't commit crimes this heinous. Right. Uh, you know, this is usually the domain of men. That's unfortunate. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Danny. How are you doing? I'm doing slightly better than pretty good today. As you know, we are scrambling to put things away because we're going to France tomorrow. Okay, not only that, but tell them about the very fun thing we're doing right now. Oh, yeah. So this is <laughs> this is recording number two of this episode. As it turns out, my new laptop decided to not record the last attempt or something. Who knows what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so we're re-recording this. So Gabe knows the story. Sadly, yes. Yeah. But it's okay because I've forgotten about it. From what I recall, there is a woman. There is. And she murders someone. She does. Boom. Way to give it away. <laughs> uh, okay. I, we're also in a different room. So we might sound different. Yeah, it does to me. It but does. Maybe it I'm crazy. Not like a rug, maybe to like. I don't know. Absorb the sound. I'm not sure but what it is. Furniture. I think it's something about the. It's smaller. Maybe that's it. Maybe the sound bounces back more quickly. Should I open the door? See if nah. it makes. Oh, okay. As as a great philosopher once said, YOLO swag. We're doing this. Yeah. You know what? Okay. If we have to do it again, we'll do it again. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. You're moving to France tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. I will be taking the microphone with me so that we can continue to provide content to the murder herd. And we're going to have to figure <laughs> out the whole time change thing, but uh, it'll be it's fine. fine. I'm at nine hours ahead, so we could do it your morning <laughs> on your Saturday. Evening. <laughs> my evening. Perfect. It's fine. Okay. Ask me how I'm doing. Right. Sorry. Rude. How are you? So rude, Gabe. <laughs> it is my last weekend of no coffee. I'm doing a, well, we said this in the last episode, but that's non-existent. So I'll say it again. I'm doing a, like, a whole 30 thing, but I also was drinking a shit ton of caffeine and energy drinks. So I was like, I'm going to cut that out too. I did. Here Do you we feel are. terrible? You know what? I didn't even have any like caffeine withdrawals. Damn, I, got, I get them bad. I really think my body just like doesn't care about caffeine. Like it has a tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe by not drinking it for 30 days, I will, it'll do something now. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. How have you been sleeping? Better. 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 Yeah. Last night, I think I only got up twice and it used to be like, Five to seven times. Damn. Yeah. Uh, have you been to a sleep doctor? No, but I really think I should because when I wear my Apple Watch when I go to sleep, mm -hmm. it's like, it says I like exercise in the middle of the night. And I'm like, am I sleepwalking? Surely Kobe would notice. But he's not here most nights. Your dogs would notice? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. That's how I'm doing. Thanks for asking. Yes, thank you for reminding me <laughs> to ask you because I've had no food today. What? I've had a caffeine pill and actually I had an orange and a nectarine. Are you dieting? No, I'm packing. 
my gosh. Well, thanks for taking the time to record. No, no. Anything for the murder herd. I really, really thought he would cancel, guys. <laughs> like, I, 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 like, I came close. I was like, you're crazy. Like, you're leaving tomorrow for France where you're going to be for months. Like, Well, maybe one month. One month. And then the next month we'll do something else because, you know. But, okay, you'll be abroad. Yes, that, that part is true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You ready for this again? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do recall some of the particulars, but it has been a pretty action-packed week on my head. So some of it has gone okay. from, from, from memory. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of details in this one, so... Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Let's jump into it. Okay. So I read the book called Possessed, the infamous Texas Stiletto by Catherine Casey. And is good. Recommend it. Got it on Amazon. So like four or five stars? You know, I'd go with 4.5. That's still pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. It was very good. Very engaging. The only thing is like some parts kind of went on for longer than they needed Mm. to, but I bet people think that about our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, you guys are going into the story? Just kidding. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So (laughs) we're starting with the murder because that sometimes confuses Gabe and nobody else. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> this is Sunday, June 9th, 2013. And a policeman in Houston, Texas, gets a phone call about a domestic disturbance. He responds to it and goes to this, like, really fancy, smancy apartment complex. And the caller said that the domestic disturbance is happening in apartment 1801. But that number does not exist. And... I mentioned that because later on it kind of shows what mental state she was in. It was like actually 18A or B or something. So he's able to track down where the phone call came from and he knocks on the doors and he finds the woman who answers and she's like, yeah, I'm the one who called. She has something like on her cheek and her forehead and he's like, can I come in? And he notices that her jeans also have stuff all over them and he's like what is that is it mud and then he realizes it's not mud it's blood she is covered in blood and he's like oh snap are you okay and she looks at him and just like leads him further into the apartment and if I was him I'd be like "Mm, I don't know about this (laughs) (laughs) but as she's leading him into the apartment he like smells alcohol and realizes she is super drunk The blood's definitely not hers, and she then says, He was holding me, and he wouldn't let go. I said, Stefan, let me go. And the policeman's like, who's Stefan? And she says, it's her fiancé. So she keeps taking him down this, like, hallway, and then the police notices blood splatter on the walls, and then he sees a man on the floor at the end of the hallway laying on his back. So the policeman makes a quick assessment of the scene, and then he's like, it was obviously a gun, right? That amount of blood. It's a gunshot. Nice. With the splatter and everything. So I I took a criminalistics course, and gun spatter tends to be like tiny, tiny sprays of blood in like concentrated areas. If it was like blood littering the hallways, it's far more likely to be some kind of blunt weapon or a sharp weapon. Well, this policeman thought it was a gun. (laughs) (laughs) 
and so he realizes there's like a bunch of seeping hole wounds on the man's face and the woman's like I tried CPR but like you should try it too and the man's like this blood is all congealed the body is like obviously been here it's not fresh he's not alive he's like I don't think there's any point the blood is drying in the carpet right now the woman once again repeats she's like I was acting in self-defense and the officer was just like what cause these wounds because they're like these weird holes in his head it doesn't fit a knife it's not a gunshot and the woman points to a five and a half inch tall blue suede stiletto heel say that five times fast that was sitting near the body covered in hair and blood and the media so like the immediate media immediately God, what is with all these tongue twisters? So it immediately gets a lot of attention. And I'm going to go into who the man was a bit. A little bit? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the man was Dr. Stefan Anderson, and he was a scientist who was researching the interactions of hormones and steroids and how they impact bodies during pregnancy. Man, a lot of mouthfuls right now. What is going on? (laughs) God, okay. He was known for being quiet and generous, but at the crime scene, the woman was saying that he was abusive and controlling. Just a little FYI. So he was born in Sweden. He had a wonderful mother, a less than optimal father. It was... Never proven, but Stefan had told friends about his abusive father and hinted at physical abuse. And when he was in his early 20s, he really got into weightlifting and working out, and he was around these people who took steroids, and he was like, these little like pills are so wild because people take them, and then they get huge. And he was like, just got really interested in that and how it worked and everything. And other than being huge, steroids also do other things. Don't take them. (laughs) And so... Unless you want to be the best. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) So he went to the university and got a master's in pharmaceuticals, then a doctorate in pharmaceutical biochemistry. Cool. And he... So I guess Sweden's, like, not super sunny. No, no. Okay. Well, he was, like really in love with the sun and he's like I want to go somewhere really sunny so he found a postdoctoral position in Texas you know uh, I see some of that with with the Swedish students that come here oh really uh, in California we have a lot of Swedish students yeah yeah interesting I'd love to go to Sweden so he met a woman named Jackie Swift and just to note for a later pattern she was a decade younger than him Nothing wrong with that. They get married. They move to New York because Stefan gets a huge job offer. He was doing, like, important stuff with stuff, chemistry, and (laughs) he was being noticed. And he got really into his work, but living in New York was just, like, not for him. It was too busy and never-ending, and he really missed the, like, slow pace of um, Texas. So... 
where was I? So he moves back to Texas, but Jackie, his wife, had really, like, thrived in New York, and she worked hard, and she opened up a museum for Native American history, and she just, like, didn't want to move back, so they had an amicable divorce, and the divorce hit Stefan really hard, but he ultimately chose Texas over Jackie. It is what it is. I get it. Don't mess with Texas. Yeah. But then he was, like, really lonely. So he was the kind of person who was extroverted. Like, think of the most extroverted person you know and just, like, imagine them more extroverted. Uh, he was just here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, even if he was alone at home, he'd have the TV on just to, like, hear other people. And I'm like, damn, I can't. Yeah. So he was really lonely at this point. He even, like, got... He was even, like, seeing a married woman. He loaned her $70,000, like... Wait, hold on. He was seeing a married woman? Yes. Wow, Stefan, I like you. <laughs> I mean, I think he's just in a bad place. Like, it doesn't excuse it, but, like... Yeah. And there's arguments to be made that in those situations, it's the person cheating. Like, they're the ones who have made the commitment. They're the ones who are breaking a certain promise. That's fair to a certain point but like if a married person came to me and was like kidding on me i'd be like what is wrong with you <laughs> like, yeah right i don't I, know i mean i agree but yeah i do think most of the blame goes to the one with the commitment yeah well you know i'm not gonna comment on that so <laughs> do you remember what kind of woman he really wanted uh, yes, he wanted a spicy Latina who salsa dances, makes tacos, and burritos. <laughs> and could teach him. Oh, and could teach him Spanish, of course. That is always the requirement. That, that, one, that one gets stuck in my head because uh, a mutual friend of ours wanted to find a partner who spoke a certain language because she doesn't speak oh. it. She was like, I want to meet someone who knows it so they can teach it to me. And I'm like, that's not... Take a, like, Duolingo or something. Don't put it on another person. Yeah. Teaching a language is, is, is a lot of work. Yeah. It's having someone who speaks the language you're studying is great because you can practice. Mm -hmm. But to have but someone, like, like, teach you things is that's time consuming. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot to ask of somebody. Oh, yeah. But he wanted it. And then one day in his fancy apartment high rise lobby, she walked in and her name was Anna Trujillo. So she was born to Maria. From Maria? She was born from Maria? To Maria? To Maria. Maria's her mom. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was, but yeah. I mean, she's also from Maria. Wait, Maria's like a city she's from as well? <laughs> no, because like she was oh. in <laughs> from Maria. <laughs> I think the expression is like born to yeah. Okay. Anyways, Maria has her mom, who was only yeah. 16 years old at the time she had Anna. And Maria had three more children. But when Anna was eight years old, her father leaves for another woman. And Maria is a single mother of four. Real quick. Do you know how old her father was? Mm -mm. I just saw, I think it was like a survey, some kind of study, but like not really a study study. Yeah. It showed that like a third of all teenage pregnancies were to men who were in their early 20s. So these teenage girls, about a third to a, about a third or, or a quarter of them get pregnant by okay. adult men Ew. in their 20s. What the fuck? Yeah. 
You think at least the guy would be smart enough? Oh, God. Okay, we're not getting into that. So yeah. <laughs> Anna ended up, she was the oldest. She ended up at the age of eight taking on the role of being the mother because her mom was working multiple jobs to try and keep the family afloat. And when she was 11, her mom remarried and she was able to like lighten up on the responsibility a little bit, but he also had kids. So it just like the family was also bigger. So she still yeah. had to help out. At this point, it became very clear that she liked expensive things. She would always dress really nicely and have like the need to look high end, you know? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it's common. Okay. Among the Latin community. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's why they try to not even like, no, I shouldn't say it's to love fancy things because that's mm -hmm. not right. But yeah. you always want to look so, sort of presentable. Ooh, I wish I had that, but well, I don't. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> so You've already made it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't mean people don't judge you. I mean, I, I went to um, what you call at my car place this morning to take my car into service and literally rolled out of bed and like threw some shit on and went. <laughs> I was like, this is fine. I mean, that is how it should be. Like, like there's, there's <laughs> no like, how I live my life. Yeah, there's no like correct way to approach this. It's just what I've noticed. Like growing up, it was always emphasized to like look nice. Yeah. So I like countered it and like would only wear gray t-shirts, jeans, and running shoes. That works. But and this, yeah. it works here, but there was some cultural differences there. Interesting. Huh. Gabe always does look nice, though. Thank you. Got you. <laughs> okay, so. The guy that Maria married was a Jehovah's Witness and her family converted to being a Jehovah's Witness. Why? Which means like no birthdays, no Christmas, no holidays, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's a that's a hard one for kids to grow up. Yeah. As. Especially because at this point she's 11 and she had celebrated them her whole life. Yeah. And then to have them taken away. Mm -hmm. Well, it did not go well. <laughs> she kind of became interested in a different world and she started playing like with a Ouija board and trying to connect with the other side. Is that the right term? It's pronounced Ouija. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, what is it? Tarot card? <laughs> yeah, the tarot cards. <laughs> So her family moves around a bit before ending up in Waco, Texas, where they work in a small furniture manufacturing company. And then after high school, Anna joins them and also attends a paraprofessional educational education at a nearby college. What? <laughs> she studied to be like a nanny or like a teacher's aide or something. Oh, right. Okay, I remember this. We looked it up because you said this before, and I was like, what in the world is this? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. So, in December of 1990, when Anna was 22, she marries a man she met through a mutual friend named John Marcus Leos, and he was a real not-a-great-guy. Four months later, she was pregnant, and then she had a little baby girl named Sianna. Unfortunately, Marcus was not ready to settle down and have a family. He couldn't hold a job. He slept all day. Anna, once again, took on the responsibility. A lot of crappy guys out there. Yes, and she finds them. So, mm. actually, Stefan was great. But anyways, so Anna kind of takes on the responsibility of, like, 
finding childcare, being a mom, and being the breadwinner. So they ended up having a second kid when Sienna was five. It was another girl named Erin. And <laughs> it's just always so frustrating when, and granted, we know where this story is going and she proves to not be the best person, obviously. But it is frustrating to hear when women end up in these situations and they keep having kids with the same guy. And I'm like, get out, get out. Do you think if she found a good guy for her first relationship and had kids with him, like maybe what happened wouldn't have happened? It's it's possible, but it's also hard to say because some of these issues and, and from what I recall, hers, maybe it's a buildup of things, but hers seems to suddenly like come on pretty suddenly. I think hers was drug-induced. Right, yeah. And so, so if she was with a good family, maybe. But that's pure speculation. Because right. it could have just been, like, late onset something. Yeah, or any any combination of factors. And maybe she could have had a great life, but then, you know... In your, Snapped. You snap, or in your 30s or 40s, or you and your partner are, are like, let's try some drugs, and then... That's terrifying. Same situation, right? So... All right. Knows. She gets a job at the Coca-Cola factory that pays better and had better opportunities to advance. And then this part gets messed up. Right. Anna files for divorce from Marcus. And Marcus moves out and Anna then loses her brother. He dies. And not like loses, like he disappears, like he dies. Uh, Like what, cancer? I don't. I don't know. Well, he dies. He dies. <laughs> and she uh, she calls Marcus, and he comes to watch the kids while Anna attends the funeral. You remember this? No. Okay. And while she's at the funeral, Marcus calls her and threatens to kill himself. So she goes home and finds him attempting to hang himself, and she cuts him down and calls his parents. He goes to the hospital after his release, and she says that he had held her hostage and raped her. And his family convinces her to not press charges because they can't help him if he's in prison. She does not press charges, and that's a bummer. Um, And a half. Yeah, but she continues to do well at her new job at Coca-Cola, and she gets raises, and then in the year 2000, the divorce is finalized, and she's granted full custody of the kids. So it seems like... Doing good, you know, moving forward. All things considered, yeah. Yeah. So then she meets a guy named Jim Fox. And they met because he stops and asks her for directions. And then he's like, hey, you want to go out to lunch? And she's like, heck yeah. And they date for a year and then they get married. (laughs) Like, I know those things happen, but it seems so crazy to me to like approach a stranger and just be like, hey, let's get some lunch. It's happened to me a lot. So yeah. it's normal, I think. That's so strange. But I think you would have to be the person asking people. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's a certain uh, gender dynamics at play here. Oh, yeah, for sure. But like, even then, uh, part of it is because the people I've asked, you know, our mutual friends, they they seem adamant that they would not appreciate being approached. Yeah, know? I've always said no. Yeah, but I guess it works for someone. Yeah, well, he ended up being uh, well off. That helps. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe if you maybe if you uh, 
Maybe he was wearing like a Rolex or something. I yeah, don't know. Maybe you drop a money clip and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I dropped my money clip. Can you pick it up for me? <laughs> maybe you like pulled up in a Porsche. It was like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> or escapes it. Porsche. Sorry. <laughs> that was the guy's name. It was Porsche. <laughs> don't hate um, the player. <laughs> <laughs> so the first four years of the marriage was uneventful jim says anna was really a great and loving mom the only thing was she was super bad with money she was she would constantly spend it as fast as she got it so it sounds like they kept financials separate yeah so then four years into the marriage in 2006 jim says he wants to move to houston from waco to be closer to his son from a previous marriage Anna agrees. She's like, that's fine. But she wants to stay in Waco a little bit so her kids can finish high school. And then she can get her masseuse license and open her own practice when they move. So then she quits her job. She gets her license. They move. And this is a quote from a relative of Anna. Anna saw what money could buy. With her second husband, she lived a life she hadn't known before. So it, like, introduced her to, like, what money can actually get, I think. And let's just say the neighbors all thought she was super weird and avoided her. Anna was described as being pretty and knowing it. Hmm. And she would constantly flirt with all the men on the block to the point where one neighbor, every time he saw her, would just go inside. He was like, I'm not dealing with this. And a quote from one of the neighbors I wasn't attracted to her, but I thought if a man was, she could control him. Says guy who protests too much. Right? Like, <laughs> hmm. he was probably like, oh, I wish you would flirt with me more. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt because guys tend to assume they're flirting with them when they're just being polite or nice. Really? Yeah. Like, oh. it's, it's a thing I've heard. I've heard women tell me or, or even the, the reverse. Like, uh-huh. guys think this waitress or that bartender or this girl in my class is flirting with me because she, she talked gave to me. Gave them attention, yeah. Yeah. So. So we don't really know. <laughs> I actually, uh, I was told by one person uh, I dated briefly that I am a flirty person, which, <laughs> yeah. Gabe's not flirty. <laughs> which, so I think there's an element of and, you know, we ended up dating, but I think there's an element of when you're attracted to someone, you're looking for any sort of validation. Yeah. That it's a two-way street. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So, you know, she she very well could have been flirting with everyone because there are people who enjoy flirting. And yeah. I think I think that's fine. Yeah. But maybe there's, there's also an element of she was just an attractive woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And it was wishful thinking. It could have been. We'll find out. Well, we won't find out. We won't find out. (laughs) (laughs) So a year after they bought the house in Houston, Mm -hmm. from Waco to Houston, Jim helps Anna rent a studio to open up her massage studio. And he helps her with rent, but she, like, starts to spend all her time there, including sleeping there. So he has a talk with her, and he's like, this isn't what I want in a marriage and if this is the way it's going to be I want a divorce and she's like I'm so sorry I'll start coming home what not but a few months later Jim finds divorce papers sitting on the table and Anna filed for divorce and just didn't tell him power move (laughs) (laughs) you can't fire me I quit 
It's such a weird thing though. She's like, no, I'll stop. I'll be better. And then just like behind his back is filing for divorce this whole time. Yeah, I don't know what, because if he's opening all these doors for her in terms of financial opportunities and clothing and nice things. Yeah. What's what's her move here? I don't, well, she makes a lot of very unlogical moves. <laughs> Is that unlogical? Illogical. Not, illogical. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a word? <laughs> so anyways, they get divorced and Anna's uh Youngest daughter moves back in with her dad, and then Anna and her other daughter, Sienna, move into an apartment, and she just, like, quickly drops the role of mother and starts going out and partying all night, and then it's like she's given this, like, well, not even given, but she, like, takes the freedom she never had and just, like, goes wild. And in... 2008, she was booked for driving under the influence, and then she also manages to get a great deal by befriending a couple who travel a lot for work, and they give her their apartment while they're gone, and it's like in this mixed-use building, so she can use it for her apartment and also as a masseuse studio, so, like, that just falls into her lap. The things that happen when you're very good-looking. Ugh, it's almost like there's, like, and a psychological effect or something. Yeah, like they're treated like angels. Weird. As if they have halos. Oh my gosh, that must be it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they have this like light shining out of them. Yeah. <laughs> so she would spend a lot of time in bars finding older rich men who fawn on... Oh, there is a psychological thing called the halo effect. Oh, we were, yeah, we were totally kidding. Yeah, it is. It's like where if you're attractive, you're treated a lot better. Things are kind of just like come to you easier. Yep. That kind of thing. It affects all walks of life. Yep. Sentencing mm-hmm. for crimes, mm-hmm. jobs. Yep. Anyway, she would spend a lot of time in bars finding older rich men who would fawn on her and like buy her things. And then at this point, she was very much into the occult and tarot card reading not tarot tarot and the ouija board and she would like go to bars and just like read people their tarot cards and like stuff like that and then in 2009 anna failed to renew her massage license and her life was at this point just starting to go downhill and she got drunk one night and she spray painted the apartment floor and walls and was kicked out by the couple who had was like helping her wait what, what did she spray paint i'm like this is it didn't say but i'm fairly positive a good guess would be it was like occult stuff that's what i'm thinking like, pentagrams I don't see, or yeah. like some kind of like summoning something you know right because otherwise it sounds like a we like, yeah like that seems like a really random thing to do, just randomly spray paint. Mm-hmm. But if she was getting into all this occult stuff. Yeah. Maybe she like thought she was like doing like stuff to make it pure or something. I don't know. Who knows? Cleansing the apartment. Yeah. So at this point, her daughter had moved out and was living on her own. And Good for her. Mm-hmm. So she would start to sleep with random men in order to stay with them because she was homeless. And sometimes Wait, she, her daughter or Anna, Anna, Anna's daughter is just like off living her own life at this point. She's out of the story. 
Got it. And Annie can't afford rent, so mm -hmm. she's sleeping with guys as a what, what do they call that? Banging for roof. Is that a thing? It was a thing on thing on how I met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what she was doing. <laughs> <laughs> so she would be seen at bars and sometimes she'd take out a voodoo doll and just like freak people out and she was like clearly going through something right now. Like, <laughs> um, so she was found drunk driving and she was fined $200 and put on a year probation. And during this time, part of the probation was random drug testing and she tested positive for pot. So she had to spend 20 days in prison. And in order to avoid this from happening, she started smoking synthetic pot. So this like shows she's starting to like Pot's not exactly drugs, but she is starting to. <laughs> Synthetic pot also back then was not super... Regulated? Yes. So it was kind of sketchy to use. Sounds sketchy. Really... I've never actually heard of synthetic pot. It was huge back in the like early 2000s. And like it was almost like bath salts where like crazy headlines would show up to like mm. scare people. Although like I think bath salts are pretty bad. I don't know. Or awesome, depending on where you, where you <laughs> land on that. Oh, it also, it doesn't, she went to synthetic pot because it doesn't show up on drug tests. Right. Yes. So eventually she gets like a room at this like sketchy motel where you can rent by the month. And she would like go and get these guys to pay her rent. She would like have them come over around the first of the month and be like, ah, oh, rent's almost due. <laughs> I don't even know how she did it, but she did it. <laughs> uh, she began seeing a man 17 years older than her and convinced him to let her move into his apartment as well as rent her a studio space for her massage studio. And she just, like, had this, like, power over people. I'm trying to understand. Like, I, I can't imagine a scenario in which I meet a stranger and convince them to let me move in and pay for an additional space. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But she did it. <laughs> <laughs> we should, like, interview her and be like, tell us your secrets. <laughs> maybe it's, like, some kind of, like, Jedi mind trick. Like, Ooh, maybe it's, ooh. like, uh, voodoo. It's a voodoo some thing. kind of magic. She has the doll. Mm -hmm. Takes some hair. You will let me <laughs> <laughs> rent a space. Yeah. So he realizes, like... She's a little off, I guess. If that's that nice just, just a smidge. Mm -hmm. And then he also realizes like she doesn't work and she drinks all night and she sleeps all day. And he's like too scared to break up with her. And this is a quote from him. Sober, she was fun and giggly. But after a few drinks, she could turn mean in a snap. When she was angry, her eyes got cold and dark and she looked like she was possessed. Hmm. Yeah, but he was like, what do I do? Because he's too scared to break up with her. So he's like, I'm moving away. And he just like moves to get away from her. I got to say, that's a pretty effective strategy. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all done that. So then she finds another guy named James to help her move her stuff and also take her in. And then this ends and then she goes through some stuff and then ultimately ends up dating this this is important. She dates this 50-year-old guy who lives in the same apartment building as Stefan. <laughs> so, back to that lobby where Stefan 
sees that spicy Latina he had been hoping to meet. So at this point, Stefan is 58 years old and he still wants to get married and have kids. And Anna's 43. So there's a 40, 15, 15 year age difference. (laughs) And they start chatting and he, Anna's like, oh, I was seeing this guy in your apartment building, but then we broke up and now I have nowhere to go. And Stefan's like, oh my gosh, move in with me. We can salsa dance and you can teach me Spanish. The correct answer to a random woman saying the guy in your building who I'm dating kicked me out or whatever. We broke up and I have nowhere to leave. Live is, damn, that's crazy. Hope you find somewhere. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that is the correct answer. Yes. Have you tried Craigslist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All his friends are like, dude, this is a bad idea. She was just with another guy in the same building. Something happened. They're not together now. (laughs) You don't know what happened. Like, stay away. Yeah. But a month later, or I guess a month into the relationship, they're living together this whole time. He tells his friends how Anna wants to marry him. And he's thinking about it. (laughs) Why would you think about because like, he's 58. If he wants kids, he's very well passing that point. Okay. Uh, so. If he's not past it. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> so I do think as you get older, you're more likely to know exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. So I can believe that at, at an older age, relationships progress much faster because you're both like, these are exactly the, the things we want or expect in a relationship. And if they sync up, then you know, good to go. Yeah. But why get married? Because Anna wants to. And that is a problem. (laughs) (laughs) But, okay. So, Anna, at this point, while Stefan was over telling his friends how Anna wants to marry him, Anna's telling the, like, single friend she has left at this point how he's super old and she wasn't attracted to him, but he buys her nice things. So clear um lack of communication on purpose is she hoping for a marriage without a prenup is that her plan it must be right because i'm like that i get or maybe she's sick of like having to find guys to pay her rent and she's like no this guy will be stuck paying my rent true because it's his rent (laughs) but even then you could be married and he can still kick you out or can he can he what are the laws in Texas? Probably not great. Yeah. Probably anti-woman, whatever they are. It's like, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> you? You don't have a penis? You can get kicked out. <laughs> Texas is a bastion of gender equality. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to visit Texas? Seems like a really cool place to visit. I just disagree on a lot of their politics as a woman without a penis. <laughs> so... so in october of 2012 stefan loans anna seven thousand dollars while asking her to sign a note saying she would pay it back in july of 2013 and a few weeks later he calls a friend and he asks where he would go and get a prenup because he's in love a lawyer but if you're in love do you need a prenup 
Really? <laughs> yes. Yes, you really? do. Really? Do you game? Uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine where I don't know if he was considering a prenup or we were because he's, he's married now, but I think this conversation predates his engagement or even that relationship. But he was saying how he would never get a prenup because that's planning for failure. And I'm like, yes. Yes, absolutely. We get insurance. We wear seatbelts. We, we plan for failure in all facets of our lives. Did he get a prenup? I have no idea. I should, I should ask him. Are they happy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is anyone ever truly happy? I am in my relationship. <laughs> I'm very happy. Well, do you have a prenup? We're not married. Oh, right. I always forget. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll probably get one. Because, like, why not? Unless it's expensive to get, then we probably won't. Yeah, I would. It can't be that expensive, right? Surely it's like a contract where it's just like, yo. But you have to hire a lawyer. And lawyers are like, the lawyer I know is like two fifty an hour. Yeah, but surely they have some like templates. So it's like file. one hour of. That's like an hour of billing. Maybe and then you two probably hours. have to get a notary. Do you pay for notaries? I'm not sure. Maybe, but. But all of that seems less expensive than a very bad breakup and then a legal battle. It's true. Yeah. Going through a legal battle with a jilted spouse or ex-spouse, that's going to get expensive. Yeah. And let's say you're in a position where your spouse makes the lion's share of the money. That's like they have more money to burn at that mm -hmm. point. So, no, like I... I would rather just go into it saying we're going to split everything exactly this way. Yeah. And then and then that's it. I think the thing with that is like when you go into a prenup, you have to be like logical, not emotional. Like, I love you. You can take everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although to be fair, we can have everything except the dogs. That's fine. Because it, it wears people out. Like, not wears them out, but our friends are like amused and maybe a little shocked when Maya says things like, oh yeah, like we're doing this or preparing this in case we break up. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what? Like you just talk so plainly about the possibility. All of Gabe's friends are like <laughs> weirdly emotional. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Well, except for my brother. Yeah. But you know, everyone's, you know, free to, to, to approach this however they want. Having, we don't care what you do in your relationship. Yeah, you I, do I, you. Exactly. I honestly don't care what most of you do. Yeah. So do whatever. Well, Stefan's like, let's get a prenup. So he goes and he finds the starting point of a prenup through a friend. And then one night he's sleeping and he wakes up to the sound of water. <laughs> do you remember this part? Sound of water? No. Did she flood something? He found out that Anna had cut the water line to the fridge and it was leaking oh. everywhere. And when he asked her why, she said it sounded like an entity was talking to her. Like the fridge was making a sound and she heard it and thought it was an entity from the water line that she cut. <laughs> See, that's also the time you bail. Yeah. So from there, it just like went way downhill at a dinner party with Stefan's friends. So let's say I'm at a dinner party with Gabe and his girlfriend and then I just tell, like, 
not even like that. I'm at a, okay, let's do that because it's easy to keep track. So I look at Gabe when I'm in a conversation with both of them. I'm like, no, no. I look at his girlfriend and I'm like, you know, you can do better, right? Right in front of Gabe. She did that to Stefan's friend who she had never met before. (laughs) So Stefan's like, this is just like wild. And she started to just like scream at him in the middle of dinner, like, whenever they'd go out to dinner like she just couldn't she had these weird sporadic mood shifts almost like she was manic i don't know Mm -hmm. and stefan finally began to be like is this the relationship i want to be in and for a while he actually asked her to move out and then guess what happens she does not move out Mm -mm. she does move out but then she manages to convince him to let her back in. Well, that's even worse. <laughs> that is worse, yeah. At one point, actually, this was like a thing that happens like a bunch of times. He like takes her off his list of approved people to come into the apartment building. And then like she'd be allowed back in and then taken off in the back end. It was just so long. So like at one Oh my God. When she wasn't allowed in at one point, she would just like seduce other men in the apartment building to get in. And then she would go in and then she would go to Stefan's building or uh, door. And oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it was rough. So in December of 2012, Stefan's offered a really good job and he takes it and he just like keeps letting her back in. And... At this point, it turns to straight-up abuse. She, like, holds him at knife point at one point. She would, like, strangle him. She gave him a black eye. And he was super embarrassed about it and didn't want to tell anybody. Okay, this part is really important but really confusing. So when Anna's kicked out of Stefan's apartment, she goes to live with an old friend. And I think his name is James. And she... Is living with James and he has another girl in the apartment and she gets like really weird. Anna gets weird. So James and the woman living in the place want her to leave and she starts saying how she's going to tell James no, tell the police that James was abusing her. And so the other woman in the apartment was like, you have to leave. And so then James leaves and it's just Anna and the woman and they get into this huge fight, like physical fight. And Anna gets super beat up and a bunch of bruises. Oh, snap. Comes into play (laughs) later, okay? (laughs) So. She picked a fight and she lost. Yeah. There's like a broomstick involved. (laughs) (laughs) So she goes to Stefan and he sees this like crying, poor, beaten up woman and he lets her in. And he takes her to the hospital. And then on June 8th, this is about a week later, Anna is still with Stefan. Oh, Stefan. Yup. And then she wakes up early with him. And she tells him how she's going to go stay with her family in Waco. And they get lunch together. They have a good day. And then she's supposed to get a ride that night at 7 p.m., from Stefan's friend to go to Waco. But at 6 p.m., they get a phone call that 
the ride can't fit her and her luggage, but there's another friend going tomorrow morning and they'll have more room. So it means like she'll still go, but she's with Stefan for one more night. Oh, it's just like so frustrating if that friend hadn't bailed. Butterfly effect. Yeah. I wonder if they feel terrible. I wonder if they even think about it. That's true. I wonder if I would. Or if, hmm. I, I would. Know. I would for sure. I'd be like, I, I would for but a then while. I'd also be terrified. Like, what if she killed me? Right. I don't know. Yeah. So the ride falls through. So they like, not they, but um, Anna's like, let's go out. Let's go party and celebrate. You know, it's our last night. Mm hmm. So they go out the last night to her favorite bar and they party until almost 2 a.m. when Stefan goes out and gets a cab and then he has to like convince her to leave. And the cab drive is pretty crazy. The cab ride is pretty crazy. When they get in the cab, Anna starts trying to give the cab driver directions and the cab driver is like, I use a GPS, do not give me directions. And Anna's like screaming at this cab driver. And whenever Stefan tries to give the address, Anna like starts yelling at him to shut up because he doesn't know where he's going. And like, it was just really bad. So they eventually get back to Stefan's apartment and the cab and Anna's accusing the cab driver like, you just wanted to take us on an extra long route to steal our money and blah, blah, blah. So eventually she goes inside and Stefan's out with the cab driver paying and this cab driver pulls him aside and she's like, something is wrong with that girl. Can I please pray for you? <laughs> so he sensed the evil in her. Yeah, she was a woman no. cab driver. Oh, I bet. <laughs> and so then Anna and Stefan go into the apartment and we don't know what happens until 2.13 a.m. So they left around, they got home around two. So this is like, really soon after and the neighbors wake up to loud noises and then the noises suddenly stop and then at 3:41 a.m the 911 dispatcher receives a call from a domestic violence so he was likely dead around 2:15, and then she didn't call until 3:41, or severely what, injured what was she doing for an hour while he lay there well there was some um, what's it called there's like she took salt and made like pentagram oh. stuff and she like had just like notebooks full of stuff she was drawing i don't know if and so she was likely doing like those things after stefan was injured yeah and then so the night that this happens anna had had six tequila shots four vodka shots multiple glasses of champagne and she's five five and 120 which I don't believe. So super tiny. Because I've seen her photos now. I mean, I wonder if they went off like her license. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, which, which, which isn't to say that isn't, that she's like especially big or that isn't a lot of alcohol. Just 5'5 yeah. five, five and 120 is like thin. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But she, she was definitely super drunk. Yes. And like if you listen to the 911 call, you can like barely understand her. It honestly almost sounds like she's more than drunk. Maybe she's on drugs. I don't know. Could be. Let's not speculate too much. Right. Just putting it out there. <laughs> so the crime scene investigation team comes in. They do their thing. They find tufts of 
Stefan's hair on the couch and that indicates that the argument started there and maybe she grabbed his hair yeah. and then they found like blood stain origins at the beginning of the hallway so likely she had started to hit him there and he had tried to get away and then most of the blood was really close to the floor on the walls so that means Stefan was likely laying on the floor the whole time probably backing away yeah trying to mm-hmm. that indicates that he wasn't fighting the assailant, yeah he yeah. was he was in a defensive posture mm-hmm. defending himself and she was the aggressor yep okay so the officers bring her in for an interrogation and she spends like hours just talking about her past and how many men loved her and wanted her and used her and she eventually gets to Stefan and explains how he was, like, really generous and loving, but, like, the next sentence she would be saying how he has the devil inside of him and he's abusive. And when asked if he was physically abusive, she would say, well, she said, not physical, uh, mentally abusive, ugly to me. So, during the interrogation, Anna said the night of the murder, while she was at the bar with him, she was the one who kept trying to get Stefan to leave, and he wouldn't. And then another man buys her a drink. And after that, Stefan gets really possessive and angry. And she said that while they, after they went back to the apartment, she tried to make things better, but Stefan was so upset and she couldn't calm him down. And he was worried she would go to Waco and never return. She said she wanted to leave the apartment, but he kept blocking her way out. And when asked how he blocked her exit, she did not answer. With voodoo, obviously. (laughs) Um, Because the devil was inside him. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So she says he lunged towards her and grabbed her hands, and then she grabbed her shoe and hit him as he sat on top of her, which the blood spatter does not agree with. And then he... Also, she said he grabbed her hands. Right. And then she grabbed her shoe. And was able to hit him. That's also a good point. Yeah. So there's like a lot of holes in her story. story. Yeah. <laughs> and then she says when she realized how much blood was around his body, she called 911 and that when the officer showed up, Stefan was still breathing. However, the officer said the blood had already begun to dry and based on his knowledge, which we don't know how much that is because he thought it was a gunshot wound, I mean, you know, I I would trust him more when it comes to, like, his observation as to the state of the blood and the body than, like, what the blood tells, the story the blood tells, for sure. Yeah, and I think just a gun is usually what women use versus stabbing. Yeah, I mean, because realistically, she's 5'5", and Stefan was how tall? Six-something, yeah. He was tall. Yeah, so it's not crazy to think, okay, she must have used a, a, a gun, gun yeah, to, to make this a more even fight. Mm-hmm. So maybe he wasn't just using the blood spatter. He's like just taking in everything. Right. Yeah. So according to his knowledge base, I don't know what to say, like his like experience. Experience. There yeah. you go. Yeah. He says Stefan had been dead at least 30 minutes when he got there. That, that one threw me off because he said the body was cold, but we did a, a thing in a previous episode where we talked about how long it takes for a body to cool down. Cool down. 
and it can take several hours, like three hours for the body to... He might not have meant cold, but like not... Not like as warm as you're accustomed to. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she also said that the suitcases she had in his house were for going on a weekend trip to visit her family, but it was all her belongings. She was moving. She lied about that. The medical examiner reports that it was difficult to say how many times Stefan had been stabbed with the shoe due to his injuries being layered on top of each other, but she says it was a minimum of at least 25 times in the head. Yeah, in the same area. Because I was thinking originally she'd have to swing a heel really hard to land something fatal, but in the same spot repeatedly. You would just keep making it through, yeah. Yeah, he would eventually make it through. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot of defensive wounds on his hands and arms. And she goes, she's arrested. She goes to trial. Her testimony was apparently like a lot of rambling for five hours. And like a judge, like constantly tries to remind her to just answer the question. Mm-hmm. The jury took just under two hours to come to the conclusion that they found her guilty. And she's sentenced to life in prison with the eligibility for parole in the year 2043 when she will be 74 years old. That's... And forgot to mention, Stefan at this point, the point of his death, had been dating somebody for a couple months, somebody new. And it's possible that somebody um, in the trial, some like professional family psychiatrist person was like it's possible Anna saw the text with this new woman and just like flipped out yeah could have been mm-hmm. realizing she was going to lose him forever or you know she thought she was going to lose him forever mm-hmm. the fact that she was rambling even during her trial makes me think she should have gotten the freaking psychologically evaluated yeah yeah because there are people who like play insane. There are some really good, great videos on YouTube. I'll find the names actually, because I recommend our listeners watch them. They're really, really good. But it'll show people like the difference between those who play, like play up symptoms of insanity, and those who are truly insane. Yeah. So the the channel is JCS Criminal Psychology, and the YouTube video title is What Pretending to Be Crazy Looks Like. Super interesting. And, but yeah, but as we're talking, I'm now wondering, maybe, maybe she was playing it up a bit in court or, Uh huh. but do you know how that court went? How that, that trial went? What do you mean? Like if she was assessed in the trial? I looked, I could not find anywhere of her being assessed or like any diagnosis. Okay. One person, the one who like mentioned about maybe she saw a text message. Mm Mm-hmm the family psychologist or whatever. She said that Anna was exceptionally narcissistic, but it like wasn't a diagnosis of narcissistic personality. It was like... It's like a common. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, do you just not like 2013? Is it before? <laughs> I mean, in, in Texas, maybe they tend to have a, a, a more black and white view of crime and... Mm-hmm. You know, it's always a choice and so-and-so. But, like, maybe in prison they can evaluate her and At they that point, haven't. Like, I don't believe Texas 
allocates that those kinds of resources to. Yeah, it's just I truly think she was not okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. So. That's the story. That was it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a I don't know. That's a weird one. Yeah. Hopefully, and you know, maybe down the road, these are this case would be uh, maybe some professionals will make a story about the case and discuss the possibility of her having. Dude, freaking Netflix! Mm -hmm. I have this list of women, and Netflix is stealing them all from me. <laughs> it's like these like unknown women who do these like crazy things, and Netflix is just like keeps releasing their stories and i'm like fuck you netflix that's on my list well now it's up to us to beat them to it i know the problem is a lot of them i have like dates for because like mm. either a holiday or something right i'm like i should just do it screw it screw planning things <laughs> <laughs> anyways yeah that's the story i think that's it for today yep thanks for listening Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. We're at Murder. And yeah, we will talk to you all later when I'm in France and Danny is in the yeah, US. That'll be interesting. Yep. Hopefully right. it goes well. <laughs> <laughs>